Hello there. You're listening to the Goblin Broadcast Network. GBNcom.com. Did you mean to do that? Step through the twilight lands with me. Through the darkening sunlight. Come with me. If you let your eyes adjust, you'll follow the light of the old ones. They've come to dance with the straight tracks. It isn't far to go. You're walking along with me now. I'm guiding the way. This is my land. My domain. The Bear's Grove they call this place. Sacred it is to life and light. See the tower with the standard of the Golden Bear? Come past Forge and Well. Mine and Spire. Come now into the hall they built of old. The old stories crowd round the firelight, waiting to be told. Be welcome round this hearth and hold. Welcome to a special edition of The Bear's Grove. This is Sam Chupp, your host. Today I'm announcing the start of the Bear's Grove Bardic Circle podcast, and this is the first podcast in that feed. I'm putting it out on the Bear's Grove feed as a way of introducing you to it and then after this one particular podcast you will not be hearing from the Bears Grove Bardic Circle on the Bears Grove feed it'll be a separate feed so you'll need to subscribe to that if you want to keep hearing it basically in a nutshell the Bears Grove Bardic Circle will be for fiction fantasy fiction most specifically um, there will be maybe some other kinds of fiction but for the most part it'll be fantasy and it'll be angled towards role-playing accessible or role-playing uh, related fantasy, um, specifically fiction to help you with uh, understanding a game environment better or perhaps to better visualize how certain things work. Um, at any rate, it'll be definitely gaming related and this week's Bears Grove Bardic Circle the story will be by myself, uh, written for uh, voice by Julianne of the It Won't Kill You podcast. The story is called Sweet Pain Free, and it is a Wraith the Oblivion story. So without further ado, I'd like to get right into the story, and I hope you'll check out Julianne's podcast, It Won't Kill You at feeds.feedburner.com and I guess all there is left to do is to gather around the fire and listen to the story. This story is for adults only. It is not a kid-friendly story, so uh, it might not be safe to listen to this in the car or at home. There's definitely uh, a lot of naughty things that you probably wouldn't want a kid to hear. So... Uh, that's basically it. Hope you like it, and we'll see you next week with the Bears Grove number nine. Sweet pain free. Kim likes driving fast. That is what makes him good as an ambulance driver. That's how I met him. But I'm starting at the wrong time. I'm very good at forgetting. First, I have to tell you about the job. If this place were a maternity ward, it would be different. 
there would still be the sense of unrelenting expectation, the continuous wave of newness coming every 10 to 15 minutes for a long while, then the long, slow nothing for a while, and then suddenly three or four happening all at once. But there wouldn't be people standing around crying. The waiting would be the same. The rooms are sort of the same. Each bed seems preordained for its purpose. There are similar art prints on the walls. You're supposed to believe that this is your living room, or bedroom. There are quilts on the bed. But this place is not a maternity ward, not a place of birth. This place is for death. The job was to take care of the dying. Each life coming through the door is fragile and strained as a webwork left behind by a tainted spider. I didn't really train for this. You take the job you can get. I wanted to be around babies, wanted to hand children to their own mother and say, see, you made this. Instead, I held hands with women who were watching their husbands die. This is not the kind of death that you think about in movies, but the slow death by degrees that started with a diagnosis and ended with a stately waltz into the arms of the underworld. I haven't told you yet about Guillaume, have I? I can't always remember the proper words, the right order. Guillaume was before all of this, wasn't he? What can I say? When you are learning what you can, sometimes you fall into the learning. Sometimes you forget about the sun, the sky, the rain, the eyes of a lover. That's what Guillaume did for me. He was there when no one else would be. And I'm not sure if it's because I proved a nearly unsurmountable, impregnable fortress, a conquest he had not yet made, or not. He pulled me up out of the learning. I can't think about him too much or I'll cry. But that's not what's important. What is important is that I loved him. And I really want to believe that he loved me. There are times when everything matters much more than you think it does. Anyway, back to Death House. The job wasn't hard. All I had to do was change bedpans, keep a patient moving, occasionally give a sponge bath. It seems amazing to me that I had to go through so many days of schooling just to be allowed to do something so fundamentally simple. When you live with death every day, you get a certain feeling out of it, a certain sense that it exists just below the surface, beneath everything you know or everything you do. And that's how it was for me. They encouraged us to continue on, to celebrate holidays even though people were dying, to celebrate birthdays. They encouraged us, they said, because they knew our sympathies were delicate things that could be broken. They wanted us to be an example to the grieving people who stood around the beds. This is how life is. This is where life goes. This is the end. That made it even more important that I be with Guillaume, because death was my co-worker, and everything inside that building tasted gray. I had to have the color that Guillaume brought with him. I had to have it from him. I didn't care if all it meant was that I would sit next to him on the couch and just sit, just be. I was thankful he let me stay. When he started to torment me, he did it in such a way as to say, I know you need me. Let's see how much you can take. How much could I take? I still don't know, I guess. Is it cheating if you run away? Is ending the game an option in play? I was cold all the time. Cold was ubiquitous because warmth reminded people of summer and spring, and the place I worked was fall and winter. We were allowed to wear sweaters with the logo of the company on them, but I kept forgetting mine or leaving it in Guillaume's car. He hated it and always yelled at me for leaving it behind. I am bad about forgetting. 
There is medicine in the death house, which might surprise you, but there is. There are doctors, even. These are not the kind of doctors who help you get better, though. These are the doctors of surcease. Or, if you want to look at it from my perspective, these are the doctors who put the periods on the end of all of those life sentences. They are the midwives of surrender, and they make us the handmaidens of death's needful eyes. At least, that's what Agnes says. The medicine of death house is not really a bad kind of medicine. In fact, they can make you feel better than you felt in quite a while. They don't concern themselves with addiction at this point. They control the supply and they enforce the discipline of the needle within the economy of relief. One time in school, I stayed up all night to talk to my instructor in the morning because I got an F on a quiz. I felt that the F was uncalled for and I wanted the nurse instructor to know how displeased I was and how I didn't think I deserved an F. I said, I was only off by a decimal point. And she said, you must understand that there is a dark black line between life and death, but it is not a very thick line. There are some medicines that can kill you with the decimal point. You must comprehend your failure completely. Though it's not like that. It's how I remember her saying it. She had yellow teeth and she smiled the smile of someone who was doing what they love to do. She taught me a lot though, and she was right. The medicines they have at the death house can kill you with a decimal point. In geometry, they taught me a point is tiny, infinitesimal, an infinitesimal decimal. Tiny, like the point of a needle. Tiny, like the flow of sweet pain free. But I can't think about that now, because I know it will end me if I long for that again. Sweet, sweet pain free. I think I lost myself in it. Cold silver needle, perfect ending. No more worry. When it was all over, I realized I couldn't ride with Guillaume anymore. So I took the train to work and walked. It was cold, but it was always cold. I wasn't surprised when there was a nurse there waiting for me. You're late, she said. Just because, well, because you've had problems doesn't mean you should be late. I'm sorry, I said. There was no excuse. Get to work, she said. She had me follow another nurse and I watched what they did. The procedures were surprisingly familiar in their nature, if different in their execution. We all did what we were trained to do. All I was doing was making people comfortable, patients to attend to. This is Mr. Wilson, Agnes said. He is eaten up with hate for his family, and yet he loved them so much that he never went to the doctor and let his cancer eat most of his body before he got any help. We soak up his pride at least four times a day, or he wouldn't even take his medicine. At least he is dying with his manhood intact. This is Mrs. Graubacher. She has been hiding a lifelong affair with her own sister for most of her life. This has tainted her heart over time, this secret thread. The doctors think it is congestive heart failure, but we can tell you that she has had cancer of the conscience for some time now. Many nodules of guilt have clustered together to infect others and cause pain and unhappiness. She has clung to her beliefs and her church and tried to atone for her sins, which has just caused worse pain in some situations. I believe that she has just had her only child written out of her will because she found out she is a lesbian. Her hypocritical and convoluted guilt is such that she may kill herself at any moment, but while we have her here, we are helping her sleep. This is Herbie Mackey. When he could not impress the girl he loved the most, he decided to lock himself in a garage with a running car. His brain nearly died then. 
But the paramedic saved him. Now he has just enough consciousness to feel pain and occasionally scream, and the pain never ceases unless we help. This is Donald Wilson, cancer of the prostate, but it is metastasized. You don't want to know while we are bleeding off his sexual need. I don't advise you to do this. Let Nurse Susan or Nurse Barbara do it. They are much better at it anyway. I nodded and went about my work. Many days later, when my shift was over, one of the nurses told me I could go. But where can I go now? I checked my watch. I wondered if the trains were still running. Oh, wherever, anywhere. That's none of my concern. Just be back when your shift starts. I knew there was something hungry in the walls of the death house, and I didn't want to sleep there. None of the other nurses, not even the head nurse, Agnes, slept there. So I wandered the streets along the transit ways. I remembered enough of the way things were, even though they were far off and dim. It was cold. I was cold. So I went to get my sweater. That's all, right? And it doesn't matter that Guillaume was having a $20 hooker in the back seat because I was just there for my sweater, right? And it shouldn't matter that I had to watch, right? Even though I was freezing cold. Guillaume brought me up out of that too. He has been my guiding light in more than one sense of the word. I was sick to my stomach, but for the first time in a long time, I felt warm. I sat hating who I was, with my hate laughing at me. When he lost all control, I think he saw me watching in that little moment. What do the French call it? I forget. I don't think he saw me. I know he saw me. The bastard grinned at me. I fled the car. I fought my way back through the darkness. I swam in nothing for a while. I finally found refuge in the shadow of a church doorway. I tried not to shudder when I felt him clean himself with my sweater. The next day, I could not make myself feel clean, but I went to work anyway. There was a new nurse working in the bright side, where the friendly paintings are. I called her Little Delish because she was cute and small and pretty. Delicious. She was my replacement over there, breathing and looking pretty in her crisp new uniform. I did not hate her. I actually liked her because she took her lunch next to the shade tree near the fountain, where I used to eat my lunch. Of course, that is where Guillaume first saw me. Where they bring the dying bodies in, where the ambulance drives up, not fast, not in a hurry, because they aren't. But Guillaume, the wolf-eyed one, he always looks around to see what pretty chickies are sitting in the garden. And she was. And somehow I knew Guillaume wanted her. Now, I'm not jealous of a man like him. Not anymore. I hate him, as a matter of fact. But something told me that he would be coming after her. And she didn't deserve what he was going to do to her. I just didn't deserve to have to feel every twinge of lust and need and that cold disregard that just oozes off of him that I thought was just him being strong and quiet. No, he doesn't think people are real. No, he doesn't care about anyone but himself. But then I had to go back to work. The work was more important. I had patients to attend to. But I promised to keep an eye on her. I promised myself. Days go by, and they keep going by. I used to wonder what it would be like, but I don't wonder anymore. So little has changed. I have patience to attend to. 
Mr. Anderson is dying of acquired immune deficiency syndrome, but his main problem is that his soul is impacted with dead writing projects, morbid poetry, and festering novels. His hands are nearly too thin to hold a pencil now, and his voice is nearly beyond hearing. We were trying to make Mr. Anderson forget about them all. But as soon as we remove, say, a one-act play or the first five chapters of what would have been the first classic gay romance to hit the bestseller list, more material keeps coming down. And he lies ruminating in his own unvoiced ideas. We are trying now just to make him numb because his dreams just make everything worse. Miss Sullivan truly believes she's not dying of ovarian cancer and we're hoping the denial ride along. We don't know for certain, but the black stains on her skin might point to a murderous act at some point. We do know that her nails are always perfect. She has a beautician in just for the purpose. Don't get too close, dearie, or you might get sucked into her perfect world. This is baby boy Michael's shaken baby syndrome. It is difficult to take care of him because the brightsiders are always coming in and checking on him. Nurse Barbara would like to terminate him, but we don't want any problems with the company. Poor thing. You can see that his pain is made worse because he doesn't possess the mental faculties to even express it through crying. Days went by. They kept going by. One day, Agnes slipped up and let me see where the brightsiders had moved the pain free since, since the last day I found it. I was too busy to notice when Guillaume and Delish had had their first date. Nurse Nancy saw what I was doing when I watched them chatting in the garden after that date. They were going to plan another. Looks like Guillaume is playing her just like he did me. Sweetness and light, sweetness and light. But just one thought about it and I knew that he had had another hooker after he dropped her off after their date. Nurse Nancy likes me, I think. She cut her wrists once and they bled really bad. That was a long time ago. We are kind of sisters like that in a way, she and I. Nancy couldn't show me everything she knows. She knows a lot. But she could teach me how to hang on to a person, how to follow them, and how to sometimes get them to do what you want. It's rather like being a little sister again. I used to be able to bug my big brother and get him to do just about anything. It's really the same. Some people are harder to bug than others. I bugged Delish, and it worked like a charm. I bugged her to do a lot of things. Some of them I'm not proud of. Some of them, though, I am proud of. Sort of. Chief Nurse Agnes takes away any pride I get. It's what she loves the most to do. That's okay. It was worth the price. I sometimes get to read the paper. Here's what it said about Guillaume. Mr. Guillaume Amberson was admitted to Gracefield Hospice in June due to general brain failure after a severe overdose of what was reported to be medically pure morphine. Mr. Amberson was found in his apartment late Monday when he failed to report to work. He was rushed to the emergency room, but it was soon determined that he had fallen into a persistent vegetative state. His signed medical power of attorney, filed with his employer, indicated hospice care over heroic measures. He is survived by his mother, Pauletta Amberson, who lives in St. Paul. I went back to work after that. Delish got to keep my sweater. It was dry cleaned. It even fits her. Her hands were dirty, but I made sure no one else remembered she'd been there with him in his apartment. I am very good at forgetting. I suppose I shouldn't have done it. It is, after all, against the company policy. But really, what else could I do? 
I'll worry about it later. I may have to leave. I may have to go away. But for now, I have a new patient to attend to. Well, that was our story. If you liked what you heard today, please don't forget to subscribe to the Bears Grove Bardic Circle podcast. You can do that by going to bardscircle.blogspot.com. The feed is feeds.feedburner.com slash bardscircle. That's B-A-R-D-S-C-I-R-C-L-E. The person who read this story today is Julianne from the It Won't Kill You podcast. It Won't Kill You is a podcast about fibromyalgia and living with chronic pain. Julianne has a website. It's hypermobility.com. And you can find these links and others in the show notes. This story was originally written for the shadowinessence.com website. Shadow in Essence is a forum of community members who are interested all in World of Darkness gaming. Both old and new World of Darkness. I encourage you, if you like the World of Darkness, if you like White Wolf's books, to go and check them out. You can get a link to them in the show notes as well. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week with the Bears Grove number nine. Bye now. goes by brother love brotherloverocks.com on the podsafe music network this show is part of the out of this world entertainment on the sci-fi podcast network tsfpn.com